Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Welcome to Living the Gospel of Life. I'm your host, Letitia Velasquez, and we're going to start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O Mary, bright dawn of the new world, Mother of the living, to you do we entrust the cause of life. Look down, O Mother, upon the vast numbers of babies not allowed to be born, of the poor whose lives are made difficult, of men and women who are victims of brutal violence, of the elderly and sick killed by indifference or out of misguided mercy. Grant that all who believe in your Son may proclaim the gospel of life with honesty and love, to the people of our time, obtain for them the grace to accept that gospel as a gift ever new, the joy of celebrating it with gratitude throughout their lives, and the courage to bear witness to it resolutely in order to build, together with all people of goodwill, the civilization of truth and love, to the praise and glory of God, the creator and lover of life. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's guest is a friend of mine. Her name is Mich- Michelle Lucraft, and I will slip and call her Mickey. That's her nickname, so please forgive me. Michelle is an honest, quick-witted, and energetic individual that is known for her passion for helping people. She works in a hospital and has returned to pursuing her BA in psychology after 20 years of being a stay-at-home mom and homeschooling mother of four children. She resides in Connecticut with her husband and three of her older children and pets. Her goal is to help people in their life journey and struggles. And I know, Mickey, Michelle, through our parish, we have a wonderful parish, St. Mary, of the Immaculate Conception in Baltic, has attracted people from all directions because it's such a faithful, beautiful parish. And um, Mickey, for a while, was living out in Pennsylvania, right? Um, only a only a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. I'm originally from Massachusetts, though. So, yeah. Right. So tell us where you grew up. Um, so I grew up in Lowell, Massachusetts, um, for a long period of time. When I was a little bit younger, elementary school age, my, we moved to like a suburb, uh, and I'm the youngest of six children. No, Lowell is an industrial, an old, it's an old mill town. Industrial yeah, it's an yeah. old mill town. Um, actually very much like where I currently store, I live mm-hmm. at a suburb of, um, Willimantic, which is also a mill town. Mm-hmm. kind of, actually I've always kind of been drawn to that history. I like, mm-hmm. I love the, yeah. the history of the, the mills. Um, and the hard work of... Uh, <laughs> well, the history of New England uh, Catholics is really a history of the yes, mill. Yes. Because it was the Yankees, their white Anglo-Saxon Protestants who pervaded New England until the 1800s when the Industrial Revolution came and brought in, using the rivers of New England, they brought in the cotton mills and thread mills and all kinds of, uh, usually textile mills. And then you brought the Irish immigrants and the French Canadians from Canada that came down. In fact, uh, St. Andre Bessette, actually, I was in Moose yesterday, and he was in one of those mills there, a poor Canadian of many kids in the family who came down from Canada to support. So there's beautiful old Catholic churches, and maybe that's mm-hmm. part of the attraction. Our church itself is in an old mill town as well, built by the with much love by the immigrants. So there's a lot of good to mill towns. There's some bad sides. Yeah, well, when the mills closed, you you know have a lot of um, people out of work, and the, your rundown mills, right. and um, they seem to be going through a renaissance. They though. are, they are. They are definitely they're definitely are. reusing the buildings, especially in a and beautiful yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. Loft apartments, studios, offices. 
So some of them are on the way up. But going yeah. up to Milltown, there could be some difficulty in the, in the inner city yeah. environment, right? Yeah. So that's where yeah. you grew up. Yeah. Um, moved to the suburbs. I ended up, um, all my siblings went to Catholic school, but I myself went to public school. Um, but um, we were, you know, Sunday church goers. That's what I, you know, grew up in that. But I also grew up in a uh, the 80s, early, you know, 90s culture um, where um, maybe not that promiscuity was like encouraged, but definitely by the t television that, you know, we watched. It was MTV. I grew up in MTV sure. culture. So, in church on Sunday, but then watching all the stuff all, all week long. Nice. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, be, you know, Beverly Hills 90210, all those, those oh, yeah. shows that, you know, you, you know, fall in love with. Encouraging so, one like, life. Yes, yes, yes. While the church is asking for another. And at that time, the church was still um, not as good as, it, as they are now in, in coping with the gap. Yeah, the reality of young people's lives and what the church expects. That should never change, but we should do more, I believe, to help young people understand what's expected of them and how to live it. And to, to also have be in touch with other people who are living the same chase lifestyle. Yeah. Because if you feel like you're the only person, you're mocked. Yeah. You know, remember yeah. when we were growing up, it's Billy Joel's song, Only the Good Die Young. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually, the funny thing about where I grew up is there is a lot of people that are you know, Catholic by name, they call themselves Catholic by name, and uh, one funny thing, um, when my husband and I both had like a conversion back into our, well, call it our reversion, because mm -hmm. we were actually, you know, you know, baptized Catholic and raised that way, um, he was a Christmas and Easter Catholic, mm -hmm. and so was his family, but when we started actually practicing our faith, um, <laughs> our family said, what, what religion did you convert to? And <laughs> I didn't recognize <laughs> they did it. It's really, it's really kind of funny being, you know, it's being a Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, we're family. still Catholic. We're just, this is what it actually teaches. And I was actually very excited about it. Um, it was actually kind. Of, it was was sad that it was falling on ears that were like, well, I'm still a Catholic, but you know, Born I just, too low. Yeah, yeah, and I think that we may, and that may that may be also one of the issues with with our churches that we have you know, very, very zealous people, and we, and that's good. We want that, but they think that everybody's ready to hear that because they heard it. So you hear it, and I, and I, I remember, I, you know, every, every Bible passage, every awesome talk I heard or book I read, you know, I thought everybody else was going to be at that level because I heard it as excited as I was, and I almost um, drove a wedge between myself and, and the people around me that were, you know, not there yet. That weren't there yet, and yeah. I had to um, more currently. I think that I think that might be part of our growth in our faith, though. Um, you know, spiritual maturity is you know first. It's a realization that God still loves you, and there is redemption. Mm -hmm. Then you go through this. You want to be so pure that you're cutting out everything out of your entire life, mm -hmm. and you don't even want to be around people that might slip you up or make you fall right. and then you almost have another then you have another conversion where you're like I want to meet people where they're at and you really can get to a point where you start seeing Christ in other people but that's a very long transition of that happening well, and it's a continual one that's too. Right. it's a continual growth and there's a saying that in new Christians should be locked up for a year so then join <laughs> 
<laughs> when I got into charismatic renewal, I think that applied to me too. I, yeah. I wanted to overload everybody with my joy at, at rediscovering my Catholic faith and, and Christ and the, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you're right, not everyone was ready for the fire hydrant approach. Yes. They yeah. sort of want to drink at the water fountain, not the fire hydrant. And uh, to be good evangelists, you have to listen to the person you're talking to and let the Holy Spirit give you an idea of how much they're ready to hear. It's not that you're watering it down, you're just giving it in small doses. Mm -hmm. it Sometimes it's even right. just taking the time to listen where people are hurting or mm -hmm. what is it. And I think back to my reversion and... I mean, some people may say, oh, it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that bottom, you know, you know, I say I hit rock bottom, and they say, oh, well, it wasn't that bad, you weren't living on the street or what, but in my heart, it was rock bottom to me where I was at, mm -hmm. and I had to get to that place and then have realized what was missing. So how did you so, get to that place? Um, yeah, so growing up, um, I think, you know, my parents still brought me to, you know, brought me to put me in Sunday school and catechism and, you know, I made all my sacraments when I should. And I'd love to say it was like this huge, you know, conversion, but it was this struggle back and forth throughout the years. Um, I had bad um, sexual experiences. Um, bad company. Bad as, company. As young, yeah, as, 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 in, in, as a middle school or junior high school. Um, and then I, I struggled with, you know, forgiveness of myself, forgiveness of things that happened to me when I was younger, all through high school. Um, and I met my uh, did you use sacrament confession? I did. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to say if I remember how I felt about it, Were but I think I think I was definitely afraid. But I think I did sometimes. I would hear um, my my confirmation class was um, pretty original for that time frame. Um, they brought back a lot of younger people, college students, high school students to help teach the confirmation. We weren't teaching, but we would could give talks that was monitored by the um, the youth director or the youth minister of that. And um, it was it was actually good it actually gave me a you know a, a pretty good foundation because mm -hmm. And I think even them, them, they knew we, they were up against a certain culture and they were struggling to try to hold us into the church, which, you know, really, I, and actually a lot of people that came out of school, they're not saying like the, I I'm, this is in the, yeah, in the nineties I went through. So for, I made my confirmation in 1992. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that they, they tried, but I think that by the time you're in high school, it's a little late. I may have made needed so. So I was hearing the message they were saying to me. We're talking about the purity message. The purity message. I was hearing that, but it didn't necessarily feel like it applied to me. And it that was already, always. It already made some mistakes. Yeah. yeah, it already made mistakes that I was, you know, struggling with. And when you and feel you, like that. You feel like you don't belong to that. You group, do. Yeah. You do. So, and I so did. always be aware that if you're teaching purity, that you're not always talking to kids who don't have sexual experience and maybe do it earlier. I know some parents are resistant to it, but maybe they don't have an idea of how much their kids are exposed to, even in the internet, even if they're oh, not to yeah, even, even now with the, and we, this is before internet, what we were right. exposed to. I mean, this is, you know, you didn't realize, I think some families may have been more aware of what cable stations were coming in, but, you know, uh, I don't think my parents even knew what was on there. And I, you know, I've had that conversation oh, with my sure. mom even now. She says, we didn't know. You know, we had yeah. no idea. And no, um, we're still caught by surprise. We don't have that excuse now. But yeah. The culture has changed so radically, so quickly. 
the church in your era was catching up. I'm 17 years old than you, so I was a teenager in the 70s. The church was blindsided. Yeah. Blindsided. I had no idea. So by the 90s, they were starting to understand that we need to bring the young people in to, to help make the purity message seem doable. Yeah. But we still didn't understand that kids are getting involved in middle school and even younger. Yeah. Um, by the time high school has happened, a lot of decisions have been made that affect yeah. how, how they And I mean, I was full aware by going to my school that um, abortion clinics existed and I didn't necessarily, you know, want to go. And I guess my first experience with um, abortion in particular was, you know, I, did, I kind of heard about it, but I didn't really, you know, know too much about it. Um, but a, a, one of my classmates, and I wasn't actually at that time, I was working in the, the dark room developing film. That's how it <laughs> so so I would I would uh, book a time, and there was one other girl that was usually in there, but we didn't we didn't really have like a huge relationship, whatever. Like I had one group of friends, she had one group of friends. We'd see each other, we were you know cordial to each other. Well, one day she was very 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 upset in there, and I said you know what's wrong, and um, she had you know broke down and said that she had had an abortion and. Honestly, at my at my age then, I was in like 16. I didn't really know how to respond to her. I just, you know, held her and held her, and it, yeah, and fine. then that was all I could do because I didn't feel like I knew enough about it at that time, and that really put an impression on my mind that that was something that I'd never want for myself or anybody that I was close to. I mean, it just the, I saw how devastated she was, and. She begged me never to tell anybody, and I never, you know, I never. Yeah. So, and we, and it was kind of weird. All through um, high school, we just kind of like glanced at each other, and we just had this thing where I knew, and she knew that I was just like, you know, had always been there for her. And she later, after like I had graduated, she contacted me and you know thanked me for, you know, not judging her and being there for her and. Um, but, you know, I never really did anything really active other than saying that. And, you know, when I went into, um, but I was saying besides that being really active of being free in our school, we also were very well aware that they, you know, had contraception. You could go there for free. So they're they're coming in there. So giving us that message. Planned Parenthood. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know if I was allowed to do they came directly to the school and allowed you, and you could even get time out of school to go to the clinic for free without your parents even knowing oh, sure. that. So, this what, yep, in the Did 90s. you have abortion? That I don't know because I never used, used I didn't use, yeah, I didn't use those services, so I'm not really. You didn't look into the law. I didn't look into yeah. the law, you know, and I, you I knew you could go for at least for contraception without your parents. I did know that. I did Every know that. high school kid in America knows that. They may not even understand the I don't think the parents, my parents definitely didn't know, know that, but, but yeah, but I, but I, and I did not, and I, they would, they would give you an excuse from school to leave and come back. So parents, there, no idea. parents had no idea. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty common. Yeah. But that's where they get their business from. Mm -hmm. They get young people come in for contraception, which inevitably fails, yeah. and then they get them back for more. Yeah. And all of that, telling them, we're your friends, trust us. We know what's best for you. You go. You know you need to have sex. You know you need to go out there. Yeah. And we're here for when things go wrong. And my boyfriend and I at the time, which now is my husband, but we struggled with that because mm -hmm. I did. I dragged him along to all these youth, you know, youth events and retreats and, and all church, that. And yeah. I'm hearing one message, but then we're hearing this other one. 
And it was a back and forth turmoil over the years of, you know, dumping out the birth control, trying not, trying to abstain, you know, going back and forth. And it was really a huge struggle. And, um, and which I think almost every listener can, can, yeah. can relate to. I know yep. I certainly can. Yep. Um, you know, um, most of us are shot on the fence trying to be good and failing. But at least you knew what, what right was. Yeah. Yep. And there's a lot of kids now, I think, that have no idea. Yeah. They have no idea. And they're lost and they're seeking meaning and love. And they're finding it very empty. And they don't know where the light is. They don't know where the answers are. And it's just really sad. But at least you knew that the church had the answer. And you were struggling to meet it. So you got married young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, 20. I was 20. 20. Yeah, oh, yep. um, and I was going to college at that time, and my husband was going to a trade school, um, and he finished up, and he actually got a job, and which moved us to Connecticut. And um, I transferred all my college credit because I was certain that I was going to be a guidance counselor at that time, and mm -hmm. I was moving forward towards that. And then um, I got I found out I was pregnant with my son, so. <laughs> so did you make a decision to put the school on hold? I did uh, because I became very ill during my pregnancy, so I actually couldn't, I couldn't do anything besides just, I ended up um, being on bed rest. Oh, wow. Um, and I had to do all. insulin, um, insulin injections because I become gestational diabetic. But, yeah, so I basically... Moved here, <laughs> moved to Connecticut, away from my family, and ended up. But I filled those days with, um, it was like a cute little library. We lived in Wyndham at the time, and there was like a little library in the library, and I got to know my, like, the things I liked. And I just read. My husband at that time was second shift, and he would go up and fill up a wagon or a book bag and bring it back to the oh. apartment. And I'd just do that. I just spent my time reading a lot. Um, I always just had a love for learning, no matter no matter where. I, and I and I think that's what led me to homeschooling. Is mm -hmm. I just believe that you know education takes three hundred. You know, it's every day. It's every day. It's not just that's right. You know, it's, while you're in school. And it's caught, not taught. If your parents are readers and you have a lot of books to learn, actually, they're not. That's they're what, not yeah. That's what's kind of. Oh, well, they, kind I of, guess the internet came in between the. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. So what? Um, they they. My parents were always very proud. Like, so my dad went to a trade school, too, and worked um, at an airline. And um, my mom actually only went to eighth grade. I had a very, like, um, difficult life. But I don't know um, to the extent um, of her path. But they did love. They were very, very, very proud of us. They didn't super encourage, like, college. They didn't really, like, um, understand it. But they were always very, like, supportive if we, you know, had good, good grades in that in, in our schooling. So that they definitely... You picked um, your education up even though you were having, uh, you had four children kind of close Yeah, to I mean, I guess over the years, yeah, all, then I had, yeah, one, two, three, four, all How on the road. They are, there's not, so there's 16 months, 16 months, wow. and 16 months. Wow, yeah. you were busy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Young, very young. You yeah. Very young mom and yeah. a stay-at-home mom and all that, and you were struggling... You said with your fourth child, with the idea of fertility, you was getting, you were overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, so uh, when my fourth child was, was born, um, she was born, then she had to get transferred to a NICU because she was born with a lot of um, problems because she was early. Um, actually, all my kids were um, premature, but she had some problems with her kidneys and it causing her to be completely septic, and so we had to mm. go to Children's Hospital, and it really wore me down because I, you know, um, I mean, I'm sure yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So um, at that point, I encouraged my husband to get a vasectomy. And I think that I knew it was wrong, but I was also struggling. And um, I think that I almost knew it was going to be a severing tie between myself mm-hmm. and the Catholic Church. And not, I don't know if I consciously was super aware. I was just so exhausted in where I, the state that I was at. So um, you I felt like having a way. We did actually try natural salmon planning in between. And honestly, um, the woman that came, and she was very, very nice, and I've seen her later on, but she actually struggled to have children and had one child. And she yeah, was yeah. Trying, and I had the opposite <laughs> problem, and it really frustrated me. And actually, I've got four, you know, actually, so at that time I had two little, two little boys, two little, two babies in diapers, basically, because mm-hmm. I had a one-year-old and a, and a, a newborn. And, um, I was trying to, but I'm living in a crappy little house and my husband's constantly gone and I don't have any help and no family nearby. And now I'm, now I'm supposed to be charting stuff and, you know, I don't have time to take a shower or go to the bathroom without, you know, someone crying. And, and now and, I'm charting my... <laughs> Michelle had asked for some help from a local Catholic church, and she was bedridden um, with uh, how many weeks do you bedridden for months? Right? It depends. Yeah. So when I usually with three little children and bedridden, and, and then, what did the secretary say? She, she said, said we don't do that. We don't do that. meals or babysitting help or mother's helper or any ministry at all, and it was very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Some people leave the church for things like that. Yeah. And you well, did find actually I you did, did find help in another church. I did in a congregational church. There was a neighbor of mine that was part of that, and they were. Gave, sent out a lot of help to me. So I think that knowing that I received that help, knowing that other churches were okay with contraception, but they were willing to help, um, kind of shuff, you know, pushed me in that direction. Mm-hmm. I know um, people who have to get a church for a better uh, children's ministry or babysitting during yeah, the church service yeah. or youth ministry. Yeah, actually, better music. <laughs> one, of the, one of the, I tell people this funny story that we were, when I did start feeling like I wanted to be part of the Catholic Church again, um, at that time, for some reason, I rolled my son in uh, CCD classes and we would go to, they only had them every other week for some weird reason. So we'd go to church the week, he, the Sunday he had it, and then on the other weeks we'd go to the congregational church because they had puppet shows. Oh, and <laughs> sometimes like this day, like, oh, I totally left the church, and then I came back. No, it's this back and forth yeah. struggling. And so that's why I know that there's other people probably sitting in the pews that are struggling. We don't know what's going on with them. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's where that's where our culture is going to continue to progress into, you know, darkness, lovers of death versus lovers of, okay. of life okay. because that we're still struggling while we're staying in the food. And that's okay because we are, you know, we're all sinners and that's what brings us to the church. But, but until sure, we, we, need to, to sure we need to, to yeah. So yeah. Because of their human and emotional needs. And it's, it's harder on those of us that are faithful, but that's okay because the times we live in are very demanding times. Yeah. We need to give more of our time in ourselves to reach out to those struggling young mothers uh, that are bedridden. I myself was bedridden during um, my second pregnancy and had my parents, but they lived an hour away. I could have used the church when to do it. Yeah. I didn't reach out. Yeah. Maybe because I thought there wasn't something in my church. I think had something. Yeah. But I know that feeling of being bedridden and I had a three-year-old and needed help and I couldn't do much for her. It's really hard. Yeah. You know, you're really yeah. torn. I, at the time, I had been operating daycare and I just shut it down. So that's definitely something to be aware of. If, you're in church and you know of a young mother that's struggling, reach out to her and see yep. if there's 
sometimes just coming over for an afternoon can make such a difference that she doesn't feel alone and help her to take a shower. Yeah. And wash yeah. the kids while she takes a shower or, or clean up some dishes or fold some laundry can make such a big difference. And it doesn't have to be a formal ministry. Don't wait to start a ministry. If you get to form one down the road, that's fine. Yeah. But just be the ministry yourself. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes church tends to get too compartmentalized and we wait for someone with a ministry to do it or wait for the church to have a program. Maybe, you know, Jesus is just calling you to, to represent his hands and his love to your neighbor and without starting something formal. That's yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you were struggling, and what made you come back to the faith? Um, full practice. Full practicing, yeah. So um, my journey goes um, a little bit further mm -hmm. than that, where um, I actually did become a homeschooling mom, but it was not for um, religious reasons at that time. I really started completely separating from the church and just searching. And um, I wasn't even at that time, I'd stopped going to the congregational church. I wasn't sure. And I'm, my personality, I don't like to do things part way. I like to be all or nothing. And I think that maybe I knew that I was contraceptive. You know, well, not directly, but sterilization is a form of contraception. But, um, right? Mm -hmm. Am I saying that right? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but so I knew that was a severing tie and then I was like, well, maybe it's something else. And I just started, you know, looking out truth, but, um, I ended up actually going even further dark way and actually selling, um, we were having financial problems. Um, and I had, I, there was, you know, the pyramid, pyramid triangle scheme things, whatever. But I Yeah. So I was this homeschooling hippie mom by day, which I love because I've had my children organic. It was very about natural education. And I still believe in, in those things because those are very, I love Montessori method, which mm -hmm. is, Later, find out Maria Montessori is young Catholic. Yeah. So those are like beautiful things, like little things along the way that kind of still kept me tied to my faith. But uh, yeah, I ended up um, just pretty much looking up what's the top selling of these, and it was actually um, you know sexual gifts and toys and stuff like that. Yeah. So I did these. Uh, Bat home parties, exactly, and there's a lot of bachelor red popular, parties. Yeah. Very popular, very popular. It was one of the top people. Um, what am I doing? I made a lot of money. So my husband worked by day. I did this by night and it helped us pay the bills. And uh, I started and I was like, and I'm helping women. I'm helping. I've always been, a, you know, I went to an all-women's college and now I'm still in an all-women's. Now when I've returned to my education, I went back to a women's college because I believe that, you know, we actually as women are very powerful and we can actually change the culture a lot. Uh, but we have our we have to be in the right state of mind well, to do things that. Well, the level yeah. of a culture is the level, the level of employment. Yeah. So we really do drive yeah. culture more than we think. Yeah. So I thought that I was actually, pretty, yeah, I was actually thinking I was, um, you know, making women feel better about their bodies and all of, of this stuff. But it, so the the parties happen in somebody's house or at a, you know, wherever you want to go. And then usually go in the room and the women order something. And I was hearing story of the start. I started hearing, it almost turned into like counseling session, women sharing their bad sexual experiences. Oh. And it really started weighing on me. And I um, thought that this was going to help. They did. Um, but then oh. um, I, and I thought it was helping, would help. I was like, that's the problem. That's why people are divorced. They're not having enough, you know, they're not having enough sexual relationships. They're not excited. The guys are getting bored. You know, they're not enjoying oh. enough stuff. Spice it up. Right. And this is what's going to make your marriage, you know, right. good. And I, and I, and I believe that, you know, mm -hmm. um, but 
it was misguided. I mean, I there's you definitely a proof there. Yes, you're yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm finding these other, you know, experiences that women having, you know, bad, bad experiences and affairs and, you know, other things like that. And I just started thinking, what am I, what am I doing? And it really sent me into a plummeting despair and depression. And um, I couldn't keep up with the lifestyles where I'm, you know, doing crafts with my toddlers and kindergartners, you know, and well, I was, actually I had like a, I had like a second grader and a, you know, and a, and a kindergartner and then two toddlers. So I was like, I'm going to be this by day and this by night. And it just really weighed on me. So, um, I had friend, Christian friends actually, in another homeschooling group of mine and they were, um, they brought up the Christian music. And I remembered at the time I did listen to a lot of Christian music and, it must have been a box that went to house to house to house with me and I found it and I opened it and there was Sacred Heart of Jesus, Sacred Heart of Mary, a rosary, a Bible wow. and I literally dropped on my knees and just started sobbing and thinking oh. about my past but then it really kind of confused me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like if truth is, I'm like they're, you know, they're Protestant. My neighbor that had been talking to me was like Pentecostal and um, actually later he ended up becoming Catholic. So I ended up running over to them and I said, I grew up Catholic and I'm this and this is, you know, I'm really confused. And she said, so how you, you know, my husband's been reading this guy, Scott Hahn. Uh -huh. And I was like, what? So I started reading and it was very quick for me to come back. But, um, my husband wasn't on the same. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then, um, I start, I started coming back and then I actually forgot about confession. Um, but I found, um, a day with Mary, um, that's with the Franciscans of the Immaculate. I went to one by myself. So my yeah, and I went to that. And my husband at that time wasn't on. Yes, yeah, and it had been probably I can't even remember for the eight or ten years since my last confession. But he said, "How about I just ask you stuff?" And you could say yes or no. And so he asked me stuff, and I, you know, oh no, I'd never do that. Oh yeah, I guess I did that, and um. Part of my penance was not only a full rosary, and my kids always laugh, what did you do? You got a whole rosary. And, um, but was to go back and tell my husband that our decision to sterilize was a wrong one. And I said, well, you don't understand. Give me another rosary because I'm not ready for that. And wow, so yeah, he that's said, yeah. No, he wasn't. Um, but later on, he had a conversion. Actually, um, he got that reversed. So um, we don't actually know if it worked or not, but he did read, and you that meant a lot. Children. That meant a lot. We haven't had any more children since, but I still think that there's there's definitely still a possibility because we don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. we, it was huge coming up with that that money. So that in itself was a sacrifice because sure. we didn't. And I also quit, um, you know, doing that other job. Mm -hmm. um, but it's good because I feel like I and I had to now when I run across people that are old customers I have to share my conversion story with them. It's not easy. It's I'm sure. very it's very um humbling to say, Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that. My heart belongs to Christ now and and it does. I so, work on marriage is another I do, I do. Because you, you definitely you set a heart for marriage, but you just like the world thinks that, that good quality sex is the answer to everything. Yeah. And, and once been, you bring Christ into that, you 
you don't know what even like the quality is even yeah. more. It's even more respect for one another yeah. person and not just their body. Yeah. To the problem that, and John Paul talks about this in the Gospel of Life is you need to remember this is a person. Was it was it Christopher Smith says. Um, Christopher West. Um, West, I'm sorry. I, I have, oh, I see. He yeah, says I, I, that pornography, not that it shows too much, is that it shows too, too little. little. Because you'll see a woman's body, but you don't know her soul, and you don't know her love, and you don't know her heart. All you see is her as a collection of body parts for your viewing. And um, even Russell Brand was able to say this in a rant he did on YouTube, a famous rant. But, you know, this is somebody's mother, somebody's daughter. Um, we need to, to love these people enough not to view them on, on pornography and um, to, to, to pe see people as material, as things, as objects of our pleasure. And our culture is just right for that. From advertising to film to, to every internet, all kinds of pornography, it's, um, it's incredibly debasing. And our children are exposed to it, whether we like it or not, yeah. at very young ages, if they have access to devices. And what kids don't know that. Yeah. What is the percentage of kids that come across porn at a young age? Oh, it's really high. It's More really than high. not. Yeah, I wish I do have the numbers there, but I don't. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Um, they're, oh, we'll, we'll say we'll do a show just in that. Yeah. It's, it's, they're looking for Barney and they're looking for their cartoons yeah. when they come across this stuff. Yeah. Because it's deliberately. Yeah, and even yeah. if you put parental controls, once your kids become, sometimes they're more they tech savvy than they know how to get around them. So, yeah. um, we, I don't know, we have to, you know, I, I remember reading about um, a priest. You know, there was, I don't remember exactly who told the, this story, but there was two priests, like, you know, there was a, a you know, a woman of the night um, that went by them, and one priest turned his head, and the other one went up and, you know, put, covered her, mm -hmm. you know, or spoke to her kindly, right. and which one, you know, who who is the better priest? Right. Neither, neither one of them. They both had, I mean, we don't know where the priest was, either one of those priests were coming from, right. one May have had to turn away. Right. He may have um, had a past so, which made him more vulnerable yes, to temptation. Yes. So he needed to turn away, and the other piece was maybe stronger in that. Yes. So we have to we have to live in this world. We have people, to live in this world. People judged our Lord for talking to women like that. Yes. The woman yep. at the well, right? Yep. And Mary Magdalene. And he spoke to them. But he was our Lord. I don't believe that, you know, he he had our strength. Well, he's like us in all things but sin. He hadn't sinned. Of course he had temptations, but he hadn't since he was able to talk to these women without being corrupted, although he was highly judged for the company he kept. Yes. Yeah. So we need to, to judge for ourselves. Are we able to talk to these people without being drawn into it? Yeah. People can be a temptation, especially people from your past. If you've given up certain sexual sins, um, they say that pornography and sexual sins um, they touch something in us that's an addictive response. They, they well, it's definitely, yeah. So there's dopamine that gets released in your brain. And you actually, um, yeah, because I've done a lot of study on this okay. at that, this point because um, um, pornography was a big part of my life. And then um, even after my conversion, um, I had something my, my husband struggled with. And he has, he has a great, amazing heart for God. But he actually had said that, you know, I'll leave that conversion for him. But he had said that he prayed that, you know, something drastic would happen that would, you know, just turn this away from him. And you try to answer this right. So it's a feeling. Yeah. You're, actually, you're addicted to the, the dopamine. And every time you do that, the rush of it. The rush. Yeah. Yep. It's not just the sex hormones, but it's also the feel-good hormone of dopamine. It is. Yeah. It's like gambling, right? Yes. Yeah. The high of winning, yeah, and, and the fact that winning could happen in any second, and the casinos know that, right? They know how to play on that. Yeah, um, irregular schedule reinforcement that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're a millionaire or whatever. Yeah, and it's that hope 
that keeps people addicted. Yeah. And we are a, we are a country looking for an addiction. We're a culture looking for an addiction. Because um, if there's a hole in our heart where God should be, we're trying to fill it with all the wrong things. Yeah. And um, so we're just very prone to being addicted. And of course, we have society where uh, pornography is a what? It's the biggest industry. It's bigger than sports. Sports in Hollywood put together. Yeah. You can't even imagine what a big industry is. No, billions, 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 billions of dollars. Of dollars. And um, so that has to feed on our weaknesses. And it does. Yeah. And um, what did you say? You know how many percentage of men have you put on? Oh, it's like 96%. Yeah, it's very, very, very high. And not all of them are able to stop you. No, no. Some, it, the funny thing is, so I study psychology, and we have these classification codes of, you know, criteria. And it's... Um, the addiction part is controversial and because some psychologists are saying, oh, well, it's not really a problem until it becomes a problem. So, you know, and what does that mean? It's not really a problem until it becomes a problem. Because the world doesn't judge pornography as evil. So they don't think that viewing pornography is a problem. No. It's once it turns into... To, changes your life. It changes your life. You lose your job over it, or your marriage, or your marriage and that's happening. There yeah, are support groups for these, or or you do something fun, finally illegal to deal with it. Um, that's but, an issue within the church. Is it a problem? Clergy are not chaste. Yes, because it will eventually affect um, influence with minors, the abuse with minors. But shouldn't we stop it before it gets to that point? Yeah, adults yeah. with adults is wrong in the Catholic Church's view, and that should be stopped if they pledge chastity, or even if they're married. Everyone has to live to ch chastity within their yeah. state of life. So, so unchastity is a huge problem in every culture, and the Catholic Church is unfortunately not as far from the world as we think we are. Yeah. Because some of the statistics like abortion and sex outside marriage and divorce really not significantly different from the non-Catholic population. And since we have the truth, we have that obligation to live it more more so than the, the poor souls out there that have never been raised in, yeah. in faith. Until we come to terms with it ourselves in the pews, I guess that's what I was getting at, then mm -hmm. our culture is not going to reflect that. Right. We are um, the leaders of the Catholic Church. It's the leader yeah. of the culture. It always has been. And the Catholic Church is in trouble, as it is right now, struggling with those addictions, um, both laymen and clergy. Laymen, obviously, are no exception. Yeah. And we need to uh, we need to own up to it. And yeah. We need to. It's part of the culture of life because you don't get to abortion unless there's been unchastity. Yeah. In most cases. Um, yeah. It's not. It's difficult to talk about these things. Sure it's something it that we, you know, it's not. It is, you know, sex is something very private and personal mm -hmm. and. But to bring that to light is very, very difficult. But until we keep talking about it and bringing it to the light, it's just going to stay in the darkness. Exactly. Like it needs to have light put upon it, and it's not—it's not comfortable, and it's not comfortable owning up to those things. It's, no, you know, it's—it's it's embarrassing. But if you want to get closer to God. our Lord, you want to be in a state of grace. Yeah. You must get sexual sin out of your life. Yeah. And as a woman who has to go confess to a priest, it's hard. It is. It but, is. You know, yeah. go anonymously. Yeah. Go to a church where no one knows you. <laughs> And go behind the screen, and if you're embarrassed to talk about that, believe me, the priest has heard it before. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. This is not going to shock yeah. the priest. All right, you may think it's shocking, but it's not. And it is our Lord there with you, in person. The priest is in person of Jesus, and he's he's wanting to hear. Go for Lent. Get clean for Lent from your yes. sexual sins. And even if you, you, you're afraid you'll do it again, that's okay. You will get grace and confession. Yeah. And even if it's something you're not sure is yeah. or not, 
not even right. within the confines of your marriage, it's fine to go. I mean, and I, yeah, and I've actually had one. If you feel comfortable, I, I'm not sure. Like, if you feel comfortable, I'll look it up, and I can talk to you later. And right. Pat Priest right. actually say that to me. And you can kind of get that way in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. But there is, there's a little more leeway. There's a lot of confusion out there about what's acceptable, acceptable what's not. Yeah. Acceptable. And we're not that, no, Judge Jones, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and definitely the, the church does not require anybody to get reversed. It's something that my husband and I prayed uh, uh, about. Yeah, 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 it's not something yeah. that you have to do. There's definitely a lot of forgiveness um um on, on both on but like you just you're forgiven once you confess that um sin. You it's not it's something my husband and I felt called to do. It's extraordinary. Um, it, it's yeah, necessary. it was not necessary. It was just something that we had felt called to do in our marriage. So um and nothing and honestly it's a little we have to continue to live like a chaste lifestyle because you know within our marriage by mm-hmm. even being open to life and mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because I thought oh well you know we're gonna we're going to reverse this, and then I'm going to just start having kids again, and it's going to be great. And actually, I just struggle with the fact that I have it. And now right, I keep right. saying, my husband, now that I'm back in school, I know I'm going to end up walking across the stage to get my diploma with a big, giant belly. And he goes, stop. Oh. So now I'm thinking of having a child in my 40s is a lot more right, <laughs> handle, but I will definitely take it because now I'm open to whatever God. I just see he always just keeps leading me a path to let to God. Yeah. And trusting him that whatever he brings, and it's not always what you think is the best, is, is what's going to be best for your soul in the end, is that trustful relationship with our Lord. This is whatever you want is better than what I want, and I will see it eventually. Yeah. And uh, when I had a baby at 39 that had Down syndrome, um, it certainly is not something I would have chosen. And now looking back 17 years later, I can say that it was one of the best things for my spiritual life and my family's spiritual life has ever happened. Does that mean it's easy? No. Yeah. 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 Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but then the Lord um, made it very very clear to Padre Pio. I'm reading Padre Pio's autobiography right not autobiography right now. Um, that all the struggles that he had made him the saint that we all uh, pray for his intercession. We all admire. His life was one struggle after another, and it just made him more and more determined and more and more love of our Lord because he shared sufferings of Christ. So I think our culture is really, um, really adverse to any kind of struggle or suffering or self. Yeah, I think that even in like workplace, like everybody wants to all of a sudden be like this successful person, but it's um, you know, it's actually yeah, it's actually kind of funny, like how it's you know, it's a humbling experience being you know, I gave up 20 years to, not that I gave up, I gained a lot by being home with my children, but in the world's point of view, I gave up a lot by staying home and I, you know, put my career at home. But now I'm back in the workforce because all my children are, you know, are are grown. And, um, you know, sometimes they're like, I'm smarter than, you know, to be in this position or whatever, but it's almost like, lost ground. Yeah. You know, 20 years of advancing your yeah. career. I think yeah. that. I think but it's that good. Well. I feel like it's good. It's where, like, God has me and he wants me. And it, that feeling is 
way better, but we're in this culture where you think you're going to be like, you get out of, you know, you graduate and you think you're instantly going to be the boss. And that's why yeah. we don't, we, we've gotten away from that, just the work aspect. And I think that God, that's what he wants us. He wants us to be workers, you know, yeah. workers, servants of, you know, him, of other people, of other people. Yeah. Yeah. Instant success. In yeah. The, in the days of the YouTube sensations where somebody's famous and, and yeah. five minutes of YouTube. Yep. And also in the world famous. Um, yeah. Everybody wants that. And it, it's, uh, it becomes an obsession, right? And people yep. aren't willing to put in the work. And certainly being a mother is putting in a lot of work that you don't always see the results for. But the results are eternal. Yeah. The children's souls that last forever. People say it's like it's like when the Middle Ages when they built cathedrals for 200 years. And, and the workers never saw the results of what they built. Sometimes, you know, giving your life for your children, you don't always see the results. And sometimes they disappoint you. Yeah. And you're praying for them. And then, but you, they know that you've given yourself heart and soul, especially a homeschooling mom. Nobody gives more than a homeschooling natural mom that's worried about every bite of food. <laughs> I know what it's like. You know, it is maybe more potential. Right? Catholic schoolers, um, homeschoolers, um, and I did that to myself. I beat myself up trying to force on like certain curriculums on my family, and I realized that it just it just wasn't me. This isn't going to work. So um, over the years, and I, I love Matthew Kelly. I listen to him a lot, and he's always like, "Be the best version of, of you." And I and I really think that's what God is calling us to be. Mm -hmm. To be join a parish, we can definitely form great friendships there, but we don't have to be like everybody else. We mm -hmm. don't have to dress exactly like them. Mm -hmm. Like God. You really have to just sit down and say, God, what are you asking of me? What do you mm -hmm. What do you want What do you want from me? Mm -hmm. And and that may actually change over time because you know, ten years ago, I'm raising a bunch of goats, making soap in my basement, selling it at farmers markets, and homeschooling my kids by day, and that was beautiful. Especially since I had to learn all that from growing up in a city and then moving, you know, doing mm -hmm. doing that. Um, and it was beautiful. It was what where God wanted me then, and actually now. Now he's got me, you know, full-time working and, you know, in full-time school. And it, it's challenging. But I'm like, God, you led me so many beautiful places. And I've learned so much over the years. Like, 
bring it, bring it on. What do you want me to do? What are you shaping me? What are you molding me into? And you know, we are. He, he's the potter. We are the clay. And that's it's so true. Once you try the peace that you have, you know, because even though I had my conversion, I was still always trying to be what everybody else was as a Catholic, and that's not that's not the road that God had me on. But if you you sit back and actually do try to listen. You, he'll 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 lead you. I mean, I'd love to say I was a big audible voice, but you know, it's not. It's something. Oh, you, you learn things 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 that around sure. Yeah, you catch it like, well, not that way, God. I guess you want me to go this way. So, but, 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 it's uh, following God is having one foot in the air, one foot in the ground, and a crazy feeling. That's what I'm saying. It's a woman with a worldwide television, newspaper, radio empire. Yeah, started by selling peanuts. Yeah. So obviously the woman knows what it is. And then when she does fishing lures, fishing lures, selling fishing lures and peanuts, an old peanut company. And she's a queen nun, and she should have been successful. So obviously her business model of following the Lord. I'll never forget the time she had spare um the highlight equipment, tens of thousands of dollars of spare equipment on a truck sitting in her driveway, and she had nowhere to pay for it. <laughs> She told another sister that they drive her tea while she went and talked to Sheila. Excuse me. I've been recorded here. And a phone call came through. Deacon Feltmeyer was on a yacht in the Caribbean with a rich man who wired money. And but mother, I'm sure mother had discerned that this was the thing to do. Yeah. There were yes. some times that she made some missteps, and I love yeah. how honest her autobiography or biography that Raymond Roy wrote about Mother Angelica is because she's a woman that's not afraid to make mistakes. She said, "God needs dodos, and I'm been willing to be God's dodo, and the world is going to continue you a dodo or a dope yeah. sometimes for leaving behind the world and being a little bit different." And uh, sometimes you be the family religious nun, as I am. Yeah. You know, yeah. But you know, there's a funeral they come to me. Yeah, or they'll ask you for prayer very right. quickly. Yeah, this is very true. That in their hearts they admire you, no matter what they say about you. Yes. <laughs> they yeah. know that you're the rock and um, that, that this is a place they need to go. And hopefully they'll come more and more often and not just when they're in trouble. Oh, yeah. But that's great that you can, you can be that to the people you knew when you were in, in, in a different lifestyle. And it's not that unusual lifestyle. Most people are involved in some form of pornography and unchastity yeah. in their lives. Yeah. That's just that's the norm. Yeah. And to to not live in that is living in the culture of life. Yeah. But um, it takes it takes a lot of vigilance. You have to uh, you have to sometimes change your friendships. Yeah. Definitely change. Uh, make sure you're going to church. Stay in the sacraments. Stay in the sacraments. What are some of the other things to do to make sure that you don't um, fall back into it. Um, I continue to read because definitely, um, like spirit, good spiritual books. Um, uh, prayer, a lot of prayer. Uh, in meditation. Never take for granted that you can't fall back. Uh, yeah. Oh, that definitely, definitely. And yeah. if you do, get back up. Even if you're. I think sometimes you go through this dark, you know, this darkness where you're like, oh, Lord, am I doing any of it? What am I doing any of this for? Like, you know, the world is this way. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. And that's where, especially if something hits you, you know, a loss of a job or, you know, a loss of a friend, um, you start questioning those things. Even if I can't, I feel like I can't pray, I just, Jesus, help me. Just, Jesus, help me. That's yeah, if that's all that I can utter at. That then, yeah, and I always tell my children, don't think you're so holy that you can't be this person or that person. And I definitely don't 
when you someone when you know you find out something about somebody or they're down or you see you know a certain person and where they're at I never doubt that I could possibly been there that's, that's what I'm right. saying my rock bottom may have been different for someone else but I, I but well, you, you had an intact family you yeah family that was going to church maybe yeah a lot of the women that I work in the pregnancy center they don't know what good mothering is fathering is not even existent for them yeah so they were raised in a very unstable environment um, well, they don't know the love of their parents. They certainly haven't grown up in a faith tradition. So their rock bottom is going to be much lower than yep. that. So we're grateful that God... How much do any of us really know about parenting? And I think that's what... Mm -hmm. We make the mistake of thinking everybody else is doing it better than us mm -hmm. or more perfect than us. And, you know, we don't... It is, it's scary to be a parent. You're, yep. You know, this little life is in your, is, is in your hands. But um, I'm grateful that even as a young, unexperienced mother that I had that I pursued, you know, you know, that I had went forward with having um, at least my you know my my children, especially during and it was scary when I found out that I was pregnant with my first son because I was a college student I was mm -hmm. like you know on on my path and were, were people telling you to have an abortion? Um, uh, not necessarily, yeah. no. Um, but uh, I think it's definitely something that was out there like, oh, you're so young, you know, just uh, even statements like that, you know, oh wow, you're young, gonna finish your, you know, your schooling, kind of you're shaming you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're so smart. Why are you becoming a stay-at-home mom? You know, you're so young to be a mom and yeah, things like that. And you start I to. I just not being able to college career. My mother took twenty-something years off to finish her degree as well, mm -hmm. and graduated between my brother and I and the news camera that I think it was thirty years. Yeah, there's a record for the school, but she did. Yeah, and um, she appreciated it so much more. She was that annoying student in the college that, oh, were we supposed to have a quiz? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I miss you now. Like, I love, I love, that's me. That is definitely but you me. also have a lot of your classes online. I do. That's, yeah. I tell a lot of the mothers that that that's a That is an amazing, I knew that was an option. It wasn't, it wasn't, I would have definitely gone throughout the, the years with my young family, definitely taking one class at a time. Um, sure. It was, I, I think I'd kind of heard about it, and um, I think my sister maybe, Five years ago, winter, there was like a new program. I'm like, what do you mean you're doing it online? Like, mm -hmm. that was pretty cool. So, and I think that went in my head too. And even though I still have like teenagers, still like, I'm still a little bit helped to my house because I have um, a daughter finishing um, school online. I should not, she doesn't need it. Online. She's going to high school online, which yeah. is really even another incredible thing. Sure yeah. She's able to do that on her own. Yeah. She's yeah. Sure yeah, and a lot of times it's her and I sitting next to each other at the dining room table. Oh, I'm working on paper. She's working on paper. So, yep, yep. And my other daughter's in college at 17. You know, she's, that's the wow. three of us sitting around the table doing, you know, doing school ourselves. Yeah, that's pretty. But we share, we, we share what's going on with, you know, what was I willing to share in a class that was scary? What is she willing to open up and say in her class and, you know, and... The the seventeen year old daughter she's very proud that she was, you know, homeschooled and raised as a Catholic and she's definitely on on fire for it and, and that's like my God's grace that I have her, her to tell me those things. Um, it definitely makes me. So you made a deep impression on her and yeah we we don't always control it, but we know who holds the theory. We only give it to yeah. or joy and it's the most. They know we've seen, but it's the most beautiful adventure. Loving God is the most beautiful adventure. You're looking for an adventure? Definitely stay with God because you never know where He's going to take you and never know how fulfilling and exciting and varied your life is going to be. Yeah. And you went from studying computer programming 
and now studying psychology and medical coding. Yeah. And actually it's beautiful like having my Catholic faith and then when I take so right now I'm taking a physiological psychology class and just to see that within the first few weeks after conception yeah. our neural plate is forming and our neural tube which is the basis of our central nervous system the brain and the spinal cord right. like within that. two weeks like life it's just the, the smallest so like, complex. we're a brain first we're a brain so yeah. you know first thing we have is our control command center that's gonna you know run everything it's just a, it's just amazing amazing to me so and I'm definitely not any like not a medical doctor I think so I don't even it's, it's so complex just even understanding any bit of like you know anatomy of this you also have a website I'd like you to share that um, address it's not I don't even well, know if I, <laughs> I think you can google my name okay. I said, but, uh, Michelle so, so it is Michelle Lucraft, um, um, M-I-C-H-E, and it's Lucraft, L-O-U-C-R-A-F as in Frank T. Um, and we'll put a link to it on our show page. Yeah, so, yeah, you can see that. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram, and I actually... Coaching, right, and fitness? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I have my certification in nutrition too. That's awesome. They were very, the very life that she did the waiting on coach. She's on. And like you said, it's been a more crunchy friend that keeps encouraging me to move in the direction. Still haven't made that uh, that kombucha yet. I'm still afraid of poisoning my family. I think I'll still buy it this store. You know, but I'm still moving in the direction of healthier eating and more exercise. My daughter is still very much into that. And she's encouraging me. She's becoming a nurse, but she looks one day maybe having a kind of a healthy uh, cafe. So, oh, very nice. Very nice. Oh, very nice. An old factory building where people can come and get healthier. Well, if we take care of our bodies and our minds, and, and our souls, and we, you know, we need all three to continue on the, uh, the service. Uh, your, your bodies, if you can live forever, and take care of your souls, if you can die tomorrow, because we don't know. Yeah. We don't know if tomorrow's the last day, but we need to always be prepared. Oh, but remember, Christ is, when he resurrected, he was body and soul, right. so That's it's right. so slightly important. He wants there us to go. take, we are bodies and temples, and he wants to take care of them. We want more energy to... To, to do serve, We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.